And this is Rational Hour, yeah. Is it Rational? Yeah. I'm in the game when it's crunch time. Yeah. I call the play like the coach do. Tell them boys they can't touch my leap. example the way I'm supposed to. I got more reason a little bit, a little more than a lot. Only compare me to Bill, a better you feel. I'm sick of the skills. All I'm perfecting, I put them all on blast. Rational Hour, it's more than a podcast. Follow on Twitter, get done with the move. It's Friday night, and this is how we do it. Let's keep it objective, I'm talking statistics. Executive none, we're ethic ridiculous. I'm on a job, grind the pine. Wash King, while I'm still in my prime. Prime time when I'm on live, I just intercepted another bag. Homegrown, like a month apart, ain't hard to tell you a bad man. The game plans like a suspect. Get your coach's death, you do better. If you knew better, you do better. We're in a winning streak, we ain't losing. Never, never, never. And this is Rational Hour. Home run like a month apart, ain't hard to tell you, Batman. Said this is Rational Hour. If you knew better, you do better. We in a winning streak, we ain't losing never. Welcome to the Rational Hour, Ryan. On today's show, we have a former starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He was one of the coldest QBs of my generation. Representing Decatur, Georgia, former Chicago Cub, All-American, All-SEC, Dallas Cowboys second-round pick, former Cub outfender, dual-threat QB, Mr. Quincy Carter. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm good. Hey, listen now. I'm getting a little older now, so take that love, my dog. Straight up. Got to give you flowers. You deserve your flowers, brother. Yeah, it feels good to look back now. You know what I mean? So... Man, I appreciate that love, man. Really yeah, no do. doubt, man. Now, Quincy, let's talk about the the your QB school, man. Uh, really interested to know. Oh man, it's it's going great, man. God is really blessing me uh, to put you know certain young men into my life, um, and I'm so blessed and honored for that. You know, I do feel like. Uh, I do have a lot to offer them, uh, especially, you know, on the field, but even more off the field with some of the things I've been through in my life, man. So uh, so I'm blessed that, you know, some of the young men are able to reach out and uh, rather, you know, they're in Texas, Georgia, Florida. If I can't even get to you on the field, I can get to you with words, man. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I started – you know, realize I've I've had my quarterback school since about 2010, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. um, at the rate I'm at now, when I say rate, you know, being on social media, being visible, uh, things of that nature, uh, the last three years, man, I've been really, really diving deep into this thing, going to these Elite 11 camps and things like that, and really just trying to, you know, see where I could help these kids the, the kids the most. Uh, Cause man, they're facing a lot, Ryan. Quincy, growing up, Decatur, Georgia. What was a typical day life for you growing up? Man, uh, wow. You know, uh, when I think back, man, on my childhood, man, I just think about all the joy uh, that I lived with and all the uh, the endless possibilities. Who you could be. And uh, who you could to who you could become, you know. Um, man, I I take it back all the way to Gresham Park, you know, the recreation park that I played in, uh, played at, and uh, baseball and football and basketball, man, was my life. But all the guys around me, uh, my coaches, and then also my players, uh, my teammates, 
and different players around the park, man, that pushed you athletically, uh, you know, uh, in school, who was making good grades. And we competed uh, against each other, but we loved each other too, man. So those are some of the memories, man. And you take it to high school and winning the state championship um, was, man, probably one of my, not even probably, but one of my greatest, you know, athletic achievements um so uh so yeah man it, it was just fun uh you know any day could bring any kind of laughter uh any day could bring any kind of uh type of competition uh man and we just competed man love life to have fun quincy in georgia such a rich history with football man high school football um can you talk about your time as Southwest to Cobb and, and Cobb County and Coach Buck Godfrey and what he meant to your career? Man, Coach Buck, uh, Godfrey meant everything to me. Um, because when I think back, you know, he molded in me uh, the discipline. Uh, he molded in me how to be a leader. He molded in me uh, how I was going to have to earn everything that I got. Uh, and then my school, man, my, my, you know, going to Southwest Cab, man, was just uh, such a blessing because, you know, honestly, I wasn't supposed to go to Southwest Cab. Long story there. But, oh, wow. uh, yeah, but uh, but going to Southwest Cab was such a blessing, man. You know, uh, you know what I talked about earlier, you know, playing at Gresham Park and everything. Um, we had that same atmosphere at Southwest Cab, man. And then you had great ones that played before you, the Eric Johnsons of the world, the Eric Jones who went to Vanderbilt, um, uh, Clemente Gordon who went to Grambling and played, you know, uh, actually played, got, got a little uh, cup of water with, uh, with the Cowboys. But, um, but yeah, man, so I had so many great ones in front of me, man, to live up to that tradition and then getting coached, you know, which – Probably is my biggest blessing. Well, one of my biggest blessings. I got to put Buck Godfrey up there with him, though. But having Steve Davenport by my side, man, you know, Steve went to Georgia Tech. He was coaching at Georgia Tech. And he came, you know, my 10th grade year, at the end of my 10th grade year. And that's when my passing abilities really started to flourish. You know, he brought over um, a multi-set uh, uh, kind of, you can kind of call it the spread, but it was multi-formation shifts and motions. And, uh, and I was able to start really reading a whole defense, man, and going through my reads and everything. And then just him being a big mentor off the field. Uh, man, it was just great times. But I can go on and on talking about <laughs> Southwest Cab with Coach Godfrey, man. You were the number one rated quarterback coming out of high school. What are your thoughts on the new NIL deal with these kids coming out now in high school? A lot has been going on lately with, you know, Deion Sanders over at Jackson State. Nick Saban recently made some comments that a lot of <laughs> players getting bought out. I don't, I don't know if you heard about that and, and with, with Coach Fisher at A&M. Um, is this going to work, man, or what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity for – uh, for players to, you know, let's be honest, to cash in on their abilities. Uh, right. But now the piece that uh, 
has to be in place. And I see some of these things, uh, you know, people, you know, really starting to educate these players, you know, on financial literacy, uh, taxes, things of that nature. You know, some of these deals not getting locked in into a 10, 12, you know, year deal. And um, they basically owning you through your whole NFL career. So, um, so yeah, I see these things starting to come to the forefront and I'm so happy that they are. Uh, but, you know, honestly, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think the education aspect of it, uh, you know, has to, you know, be at the forefront of these kids' minds as far as handling money, doing their taxes and things of that nature. Uh, but, man, it's, you know, it's the nature of the beast. If a coach can you know, uh, recruit at least for three years, recruit at least 90 kids and then decide he's just going to up and leave, you know, uh, for, you know, better riches, then why can't a player sit there and get paid off his money, uh, paid off his name, image, and likeness while he's there, man? So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, things are rapidly getting out of control, so I'm sure yeah. that's something, you know, some um, – some structure in place, you know, here coming up soon. Uh, but man, shoot, the players have suffered <laughs> for years, man, while universities sit around and make money off money. Of so, yeah, nobody has basically a full time job and don't get paid off uh, for it, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> so now, yeah, now, they deserve it. Good now, now coming out, Quincy, you were, like I mentioned, one of the top recruits in the nation, and you also were a top baseball player. Uh, ultimately, how did you come to that decision? Do you have any crazy recruiting stories that I know during um, our era? Was it? It was a lot going on with blue chips. You know, I don't know if you remember blue yeah. chips and the yeah. Any crazy recruiting stories that you could tell our audience about? You know, I'll be honest with you, man. I had a very boring uh, recruiting process if you can compare it to anything really? like today. Uh, or even blue chips. And, and the reason why is because I was so focused on narrowing down, you know, what schools had good baseball and football programs, first of all. Okay. Uh, you know, and this is the, you know, the workings of having somebody around you like, you know, Buck Godfrey and Steve Davenport and then my mom leading me too. And so, you know, I knew I wasn't going up north. I wasn't going past um, – Alabama. Uh, I really wasn't going past Kentucky. Uh, and and uh, and so I wasn't going up north, you know, where it was cold. So I was going to be in the southeast. Now, you know, who had the best baseball and football programs? So to be honest with you, man, it was only like I let only five schools recruit me. And I was Clemson, Florida State, Auburn, uh, Georgia, and Georgia Tech, you know, uh, oh, and then there, there's a sprinkle of North Carolina Tar Heels in there, too. So, so yeah, so, you know, I wanted to control the narrative because, you know, I didn't see anything. I didn't benefit off, you know, a bunch of schools calling me and wanting me. And so, you know, I stayed humbled in the process, man. I listened to the people around me. And then ultimately I chose the best thing for me. So, no, I don't have any crazy stories like that <laughs> because honestly, man, I controlled, you know, the whole recruiting process. And I wanted to focus on my, you know, on my uh, education and my sports, man. So I wasn't going to get bogged down like that. 
was was baseball your first love? Was uh, which it, one was your kind of your one? No, it was initially. Um, you know, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. You know, um, by you know getting drafted by the Cubs in the second round and then taking off for baseball and not even playing football at all. You know, I knew I was a mm-hmm. quarterback, so. Uh, I knew trying to do both would be tough and then trying to be a leader for a football team, but then half your uh, time was devoted into something else. So I thought I'd give baseball a try first, uh, you know, and, uh, and man, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I ran into a stumbling block of the regiment of baseball, you know, uh, getting to the park at 1231 not getting home to, you know, 12.30 in the morning, 1 o'clock, maybe having a bus uh, trip for four or five hours, driving through the night and that type of schedule like that. Mm. Uh, and then that everyday regimen of, you know, your body getting tired at times or you having them knick-knack hamstrings and groans. But, shoot, I was a second-round pick, so I had to be in that lineup every day. And that was different for me, man. And uh, and then, you know, the itch of missing football uh, just kept, kept growing and growing. And so uh, eventually, uh, you know, my uh, my ambition shifted, you know. Um, yeah, and I got back, you know, to school, man, and started my football career. You end up leaving the Cubs 98. Uh, you get back to Athens. Now, originally, you were committed to Georgia Tech out of high school. How did that work out as far as <laughs> you switching back to to, uh, to Athens? Man, you know, that's funny. I've got some friends who will constantly remind me <laughs> that I signed with Georgia Tech. Uh, and at the time, I thought it was a great decision. I still stand on that. Georgia was actually on probation. And uh, and I didn't want to take a chance of not going to a bowl game or what have you. And then Georgia Tech's baseball program, honestly, was better than Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was 20 minutes down the road from my mama, so you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I decided to sign with Tech. But once I went to play uh, baseball, that, um, that scholarship was null and void. And so after a couple years, I was able to, you know, reopen my decision. Uh, and and so I, it was only two schools that I even uh, considered, and that was Florida State and Georgia. Uh, but Georgia was coming off probation. Mike Bobo was leaving, and it was just a, a home cooking, you know, Georgia recipe, man. Uh, so, hey, you know, I grew up a Bulldogs fan, Um and uh, and honestly, and it was tough to you know sign with Georgia Tech growing up a Bulldogs fan, but you know I thought I've always tried to you know not emotionally make decisions and do, uh, but do what's right and what's best and what's the best fit for me. And so you know Georgia um, had their doors wide open for me in a couple of years, and that's the decision I made, and it was a great one too. Now you played for the legendary coach Jim Donnan. Uh, one of the best yep. in the game. He had just come over from Marshall. Um, was you a little bit rusty coming off from playing baseball and not picking up a football for so many years? Uh, a little bit, but, you know, I was doing a lot of throwing in the offseason. Uh, okay. And that was in 97, too, before I came in 98. Uh, mm-hmm. So I had friends still playing ball uh, who had just, you know, basically going off 
to college, one of my best friends, uh, rest in heaven, Marco Shepard. We still yeah. threw the ball together. He went to University of Tennessee, Chattanooga with Terrell Owens, uh, ended up passing in a car accident. Uh, yeah. And Sorry to hear that, actually, bro. actually, he passed. Oh, thank you, man. He passed in March, right before I was coming to uh, spring semester of mm. uh, of school. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, that happened. But anyway, we did a lot of throwing. And Simone kind of always kept in shape. And then the 98 summer, um, around May, I went back to play baseball. But then I took a trainer with me. So I was doing all football stuff about three you know, three months uh, before training camp. So I would do that in the mornings and then hit the field about 2, you know, 12.30 to 2, whether or not if I needed early hitting. Uh, and then, you know, play a game at night. And he traveled with me on the road too, man. So it was a great preparation, um, you know, uh, process before me getting to school too. Did you guys have some squads, 93, 98, 84, 99? And eight and four in two thousand. Uh, you had some bowl games. You played Virginia twice, and uh, you also played Drew Brees and Purdue in the Outback Bowl ninety eight. Um, and I, Aaron Brooks I was at Virginia at the time. I think it was a Peach Bowl. Looking back at your career at Georgia, um, what are some of the games that stand out to you that you always remember? Well, um, probably the LSU game my freshman year. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big game for the program. Um, my sophomore year, uh, I would probably say that Drew Brees uh, bowl game. That was a big win for us to come back down there in the Outback Bowl. And then my junior year, uh, you know, which was short-lived because of my uh, I broke my thumb, but that Tennessee game at home, when we broke that nine-game winning streak uh, that Tennessee had on us, and uh, the fans rushed the field, tore the goalposts down. So, yeah, man, them are my most memorable moments right there. You got some battles with the whole decommitment, kind of commitment from Georgia Tech. Uh, when you played Georgia Tech, that's always a rivalry in itself, but was it a little bit more intense because they thought they had you in the beginning? Well, it was, and uh -huh. and um, and the reason why too, man, is I you know I developed some some real good friendships with some of the guys, Tavares Tillman. You know, me and Joe Hamilton was cool. Um, uh, Clement, not Clemente. Uh, I think uh -huh. oh, uh, Felipe Claybrooks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ben Felipe was cool. So. Uh, so yeah, man. When they played me, boy, it was hey, look, they got after. <laughs> I didn't even want to bring it up. I'll go ahead and say, yeah, you and Joe Hamilton, you um, and Joe Hamilton had some battles, man. I, yeah, one year I believe it was fifty-one, forty-eight shootout. Yeah, yeah, buddy, yeah, man, yeah that, that, that was some some. Yeah, whew, I only played them, in the town. I only played them twice, but I was on the team for three losses, though. Put it like that. <laughs> battles, battles, bro. Yeah, buddy. Coach Donnan got let go that last year. Was that Vince Dooling was 80 at the time? You know, was it right for them to let him go, even though they had been winning? Or was that – what was your opinion on that? Were you guys surprised that it happened? Yeah, man, I was shocked. Um I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, you know, Coach Donnan gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, man, to start there at Georgia as a freshman. Uh, and, man, I'm forever grateful for that. 
Uh, but yeah. I wasn't a big fan of it. But, you know, hey, big decisions, you know, has to be made around a program like Georgia. And our expectations are, you know, always uh, at the top, you know, of any programs in the country. So, hey, um, you know, some tough decisions had to be made. But I wasn't a big fan of it. Coach Donald is my guy, man. I still talk to him to this day. Okay. Now, was that a factor in you declaring for the draft and him leaving? Absolutely, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it was. It was one of the main factors, too. Okay. Uh, yeah, trying to learn a, a new offense as a senior. Uh, you know, the program has to go on. Uh, so, you know, we hit some bumps in the roads, and, hey, you're going to turn to David Green a little bit earlier. Uh, and so um, – and so, yeah, I, I thought it was time. Uh, the program was moving in another direction. Um, and, hey, you know, unfortunately, I had to make some decisions uh, that was best for me and my family. Now, going into the draft, what were you hearing and what were your expectations as far as your preparation for the draft and the combine? Well, it wasn't great, you know, which was very shocking to me because I thought I had played decent enough to at least get some um, some second or maybe third round considerations uh, when, you know, definitely I was uh, considered to be one of the top, you know, uh, one of the couple top guys in the country in the next year's draft. I think they had me slated in the first round, but some had me not getting drafted at all from my disappointing junior year of having that five-game interception game and then also breaking my hand. And then some guys had me in the fifth and sixth round. But, you know, uh, me, myself, my family, um, Eugene Parker, rest in heaven to him, my agent at the time, you know, we believed in my skill set. And, um, shoot, I just had to go out and prove it, get ready for the draft, and then let everything kind of take care of itself from there. You were one of the top three quarterbacks going to be drafted. Yourself, Vic, and Drew Brees were the top three quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, were you surprised going where you went in Dallas? Were you hearing from any other teams at the time of the draft? I wasn't. You know, uh, I got a little win a um, few days before. You know, Dallas was real hot on me through the whole process and got a little win beforehand that uh, – that they were going to draft me, you know, a couple of days before. So I wasn't surprised oh, okay. by it. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, get to that day and let it happen. Uh, so, uh, so no, I wasn't. I, I called a little win from my agent, you know, that mm -hmm. the deal was already worked out. It was just a matter of where they were going to pick me up. So you land in Dallas, uh, Dave Campo, Ernie Zampezi. Uh, the roster had a couple quarterbacks, Ryan Leaf, who was drafted top pick a few years uh, before you got there. Uh, they also had a young Anthony Wright and Clint Stoner. Um, what was the competition like your first year in camp in Dallas? Man, you know something? Um, honestly, it was steep. Um, but then I was just, when I really think back on it, man, you know, I had some great guys out there. Uh, competing against me. Uh, but, man, I was just so focused on 
what my day-to-day, you know, uh, maturation process was as far as, you know, uh, getting to my second and third and fourth reads, you know, what sets are we going to be running that day? Man, I couldn't even see any quarterbacks in the room, to be honest (laughs) with you, because I was so focused. Yeah, so, so, man, we competed. uh, But, man, I had blinders on, man. I was like that horse on the – on the track, man, uh, and I couldn't see anybody around me unless you came up on me, and then that mean I had to hit that second gear. Um, mm. So, man, yeah, man, I just I blank out like that, and I, you know, uh, thought I was able to um, to develop that kind of mentality throughout my whole playing days. Now, did you feel pressure being the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys taking over for Aikman? You know, I will say this. Uh, Cause sometimes I try to be too cool, like it was nothing. But uh, but I will say this: my my uh, first preseason start uh, when when uh, when Tony Banks got cut in training camp, and they said it was gonna make me the starter. That was the first time that I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this thing is getting ready to happen." And uh, and I played a little shaky, not a little shaky. I played shaky against New Orleans down there in that dome, it being the first time me starting in the NFL game. But then I was able to get to Mexico the next week and kind of get my feet wet a little bit um, and kind of get my feet on the ground running. But, you know, but after that, man, you know, it was all about accepting, you know, uh, who I was as an NFL starter, and, uh, that, you know, I've played the game before. Uh, and I know it wasn't the NFL before, but, uh, but you know, I know how to throw a football. And I know how to lead a team. I know how to get guys in and out of the huddle. So things start to slow down slow down for me a little bit. Uh, but, man, you know, my, you know, uh, horse blinders, you know, stayed on. And, um, yeah, and, you know, I, you know, tried to uh, block out the noise as much as possible. What was the first game you felt where you can be a, a great quarterback in the league? You had a great game against the 49ers your first year. Uh-huh. Was that the, the game where you felt like, okay, I can do this? Yeah, that, that home game. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, but, you know, going back, my first touchdown, you know, against the Redskins. But then I, I will say this. I had a moment. I think it was like the second play ever in the NFL. And we had a run, pass run option. And I end up shaking uh, Warren Sapp on the sideline and cutting back uh, across the field. And I almost scored. We ended up not even getting a touchdown out of that series, too. Uh, and it was the start of the game. But uh, but some of those highlights right there uh, where I thought my feet were starting to hit the ground. Although that Tampa game, after that run, I probably didn't do nothing else the rest of the game. <laughs> but uh, And that was actually the first one of my career, the Tampa game I'm speaking of. Uh, but, yeah, uh, those are some moments there. Did you get any advice from Troy Aikman? Did he ever give you like any like advice or give you any help as far as being a successor of his, of his career? Yeah, we've had uh, we had a couple talks. Uh, Troy was always a big supporter, and uh, found himself around uh, the facilities a whole lot. 2003, Quincy uh, Bill Parcells, the legend, takes over. Sean Payton, QB coach. That was your breakout season, 03. And even before you got there, the three you know Cowboys had had losing season, so you were really starting to take 
a big step in your career when Parcells t- took over. What was that experience like working with uh, Coach Parcells? Man, it was life changing. Because, uh, you know, I, and, and I, you know, people, uh, I know they kind of look at me funny or hear me and, and kind of say, what? You're comparing uh, your coach to your high school coach. But I will say this I had the discipline and, uh, uh, and the motivation of how to be a leader. Uh, and I got that from Buck Godfrey. I got that from Steve Davenport. Now, what uh, Bill Parcells did is he emphasized it, you know, and took it to a whole nother level. Uh, and I was so blessed to be around that. He took the football aspect of it, just the intricacies of every play, every workout, every uh, walkthrough, um, Heck, when you ate your meals, drank, how you took care of your body, you know, every situation in football. We had a uh, a situation where, you know, we call it the plus 40 with time running down. Um, actually, actually, it's the opposite end, 40, uh, and I'm losing my thought on the, uh, uh, the actual pronunciation of it. But anyway, so we're on the opposite side. So we got 60 yards to go. And we need a play to get us in the field goal range. And we call it XQ. Well, we would run this play after practice every day. Well, no, no, no. After, on Thursdays. No, no, actually it was on Fridays. A couple of days before the game, we would run this uh, with the two-minute drill or whatever. And uh, he always said, this play right here, and it was another one too, is going to win us a football game. And the second week of the season, we needed, you know, about 35 yards to get in the field goal range. It's like a deep corner, uh, like you're going at like a, a, a deep corner in a cover two, but you don't run the corner all the way to that high safety. You bend it to the sideline about 30 yards. And me and Antonio uh, Bryant, we hooked up on that play up in New York, and it won us a football game. Just the little details in that. We had this deal to hit in yardage every 100 yards in the special teams game, penalties that add up to 100 yards. That's three points for the other team. He just took the game to a whole nother level, man, and I was just so blessed to be around him. Now, Quincy, how hard was it as a black quarterback at the time when you were playing, you knew it was there. Uh, you knew the history of the NFL. You knew uh, there had been at the time when I was playing about one, uh, about one. It was one that only won the Super Bowl, and that was Doug Williams. Man, um, shout out to the OG man. Um, yeah. But you know we uh, we understood it, but uh, but it wasn't no ex- excuse making over here on this, on my part. You know, we had a job to do, uh, but we knew what we were facing. Mm -hmm. Well, Quincy, what are your thoughts now on the current Dallas uh, Cowboys starting quarterback, Dak Prescott? You've been a strong supporter of him. Oh, heck yeah. Man, I love him, man. That's my dude. Uh, I still haven't met him personally yet, uh, but hopefully this year it'll happen. Uh, But, man, I just love his leadership. I love what he's about. Uh, I love from afar how it looks, the way he goes about his business. And, you know, uh, you never hear anybody in the locker room uh, chirping. You know, I'm real close to the organization, so I would hear anything. Uh, And you just don't hear that out this guy, man. And he goes out and performs. 
Unfortunately, he's had a couple bad breaks. Uh, but, man, if you really look at his playoff numbers, man, they speak for itself. Uh, you know, that rookie year battling with uh, Aaron Rodgers in his first rookie playoff game. Uh, how about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he put up numbers. He put oh up numbers. Oh, my God. It should have beat him, too. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, man, the, the defense has had some bad games in the playoffs. Heck, yeah. the Rams ran for 275. I just mentioned that Packers deal. And then the 49ers, they couldn't stop scoring uh, yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so it's been tough for him, man, but – you know, he keeps his head down and keep working. And yeah. uh, that's what you love to see as a former Dallas Cowboy quarterback. Can, can Dallas win a Super Bowl with Jerry Jones and the family running the front, front office? Absolutely they can. Okay. Um, you know, Jerry, one thing about Jerry, man, I, I, I must say from being in the, you know, in the thick of things, uh, Jerry loves the Cowboys, man. Uh, every fabric of that organization, he knows what's going on. There's nothing he doesn't know from top to bottom. So I, I've got much admiration and respect for him, you know, from that. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, he makes decisions, um, you know, as the owner of the Cowboys. Uh, but, you know, uh, what other guy could you even think of right now who could be the owner of the Cowboys and then second guess, well, make the decisions that he has to make of being the world's, you know, most uh, famous franchise in all of sports, not just yeah. football, in all of sports, man. So, shoot, salute to, to Jerry, man, just for being in that position and have to make them decisions because I wouldn't want to make them. Man, I know. How powerful is Jerry Jones in Texas? There's a lot of you know urban legends with Jerry covering up a lot of stuff for former players. Is he is he basically a, a mythological figure in the state? Man, Jerry Jones is Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Jones is Texas, man. But but here's the catch twenty two of it though. He's one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet though. I oh, mean, he's okay. just like he'll have a conversation with me and you just like. Uh, just like, hey, me and you are having right now, man. So, uh, man, Jerry's a cool dude, man. You can step in his office anytime you wanted to to talk about whatever you wanted to talk about, man. He had an open-door policy, man. So much mm -hmm. respect. Heck okay. yeah. A lot of uh, positive talk with Romo on a couple podcasts I heard about you. What was your relationship like with Tony Romo? Oh, Romo was cool, man. We competed. We went at it. Um and um, and we played a little basketball in the offseason. You know, um, Jason Witten was uh, – he had his, you know, pampers and uh, pastor fire, but he would be out there with us too. Uh, but, no, man, me and Tony was uh, – we was cool customers, man. You know, we went out and competed, you know. Okay. Now, who who are your Mount Rushmore, Quincy, of, of all-time QBs, your top five? Mm. Oh, you hit me like that, huh? That's that's a tough one, man. Uh, everybody is. say Montana and Brady off top, but I mean, this is this is your problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, no particular order, although my my biggest childhood memory was Doug Williams winning the Super Bowl. So now okay. I gotta put Doug up there first because that was my first big moment, uh, okay. Super Bowl moment. Uh, 
then yeah, of course I've got to put Joe Montana in there. Uh, yeah, Tom Brady, uh, he'll be in there. And then you know, uh, God, it's a tough one, man. Because I'm a, you know, I want to take my emotions out a little bit. Um, but man, I, I, I gotta go. I gotta put Breeze in there. Uh, yeah. You know, I know it's competitive nature too. Um, and then, God dang it, man! Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Vic before I go Rogers. Ooh, I am, okay. yeah, because okay. of because of his impact. You know, uh-huh. other position. Uh, he revolutionized the position, yeah. man. Uh, and, and even before Cam broke all his records. Uh, yeah. So yeah, man. I'm well. Let's let's put Rogers in there. Let's go five A and B. Uh, uh-huh. With Vic and Rogers, yeah. Okay. Uh, what did it mean to you, man? Uh, you, you got shot out in a couple songs. Did you always take take note of that when you hear your your name dropped in song? I know Gucci Man dropped your name in, in yeah, one track. I did hear it. Uh, <laughs> I did hear it back <laughs> in the day. That's so and uh, used to play it for some motivation, man. Heck yeah. yeah. I never met him before, though. That's crazy. Uh, oh, word. Okay. Yeah, I never met him before, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, Gucci at the time was over near uh, Boulder Crest, uh, Gresham Park area. Uh, right. So, you know, and I played at that Gresham Park area. So, and I know uh, OJ the Juice Man, uh, we actually lived, we grew up in the same type of low-income apartments. I my mom hates for me to call them the projects, but it was Mountain Park. Uh, so I think that's where the connection came from right there. Yeah, but that was OJ, pretty cool. Oh, man. I'm uh-huh. bumping this track right now, man. OJ, I yeah. love his vibe, man. He, he, get, uh-huh. he go hard. Yeah, but OJ from uh, Mountain Park, man. Now, Quincy, man, uh, thank you, man, just for coming on and just chopping it up with me, man, and giving our audience the insight of your life and your career. Um any shout outs you want to give and, and let the audience know where they can support, you know, the Quincy one QB school and. Absolutely, man. You know, I work in recovery. Um, and, uh, man, this place BRC has saved my life. Uh, if you want to reach out, uh, if you know anybody needs some help, uh, please give me a call, uh, or I'm sorry, email. And that's Q Q Carter at brcrecovery.com. That's Q Carter at brcrecovery.com. And then I'm also blessed, man, to be training quarterbacks out here. I've got a lot of various camps that I have in different areas. Uh, if you want me to train up your son or somebody or even uh, have me out for a camp, uh, look me up on quincycarter17.com on my website. And that is quincycarter17.com. Yes, sir. Um, Quincy, thanking you for your time this time until next time. Ladies and gentlemen, Rational Hour, out.